Hello, Serial listeners. I have an announcement. And no, it's not season three, but we're working on it. It's coming. But in the meantime, we've made a new podcast series, and it's great. It's a seven-part story. We're releasing it all at once. And it's hosted by longtime This American Life producer Brian Reed. It's called S-Town, and it's coming out on March 28th. You can find it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And I recommend that you subscribe now so you can get all seven chapters the day they're released. I am so excited about this show. It is weird. It is beautiful. It has a plot that goes in fascinating directions I never saw coming. Here's a little preview. When an antique clock breaks, a clock that's been telling time for 200 or 300 years, fixing it can be a real puzzle. An old clock like that was handmade by someone. It might take away the time with a pendulum, with a spring, with a pulley system. It might have bells that are supposed to strike the hour, or a bird that's meant to pop out and cuckoo at you. There can be hundreds of tiny individual pieces, each of which needs to interact with the others precisely. To make the job even trickier, you often can't tell what's been done to a clock over hundreds of years. Maybe there's damage that was never fixed, or fixed badly. Sometimes entire portions of the original clockwork are missing, but you can't know for sure because there are rarely diagrams of what the clock's supposed to look like. A clock that old doesn't come with a manual. So instead, the few people left in the world who know how to do this kind of thing rely on what are often called witness marks to guide their way. A witness mark could be a small dent, a hole that once held a screw. These are actual impressions and outlines and discolorations left inside the clock of pieces that might have once been there. They're clues to what was in the clockmaker's mind when he first created the thing. I'm told fixing an old clock can be maddening, You're constantly wondering if you've just spent hours going down a path that will likely take you nowhere, and all you've got are these vague witness marks, which might not even mean what you think they mean. So at every moment along the way, you have to decide if you're wasting your time or not. Anyway, I only learned about all this because years ago, an antique clock restorer contacted me and asked me to help him solve a murder. happened. Something has absolutely happened in this town. There's just too much little crap for something not to have happened. And I'm about had enough of shit town and the things that goes on. From Serial and This American Life, I'm Brian Reed. S-Town, coming March 28th. You're you're beginning to figure it out now, aren't you? You can subscribe to S-Town Now at our website, stownpodcast.org. That's no hyphen, all one word, stownpodcast.org. Or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And get all seven chapters the day they're released, March 28th. Support for S-Town comes from Blue Apron and from Squarespace.
Yeah, foreplay is key. We try and extend it because it's fun. I think it's like so many other things. The cranking up to the top of the roller coaster in some ways is as fun as going all the way down to the bottom. And um, the day before Christmas is as fun as Christmas itself. Lovelink, your guide to love and sex in all forms. We're your hosts, Simone Humphrey and Sina Simon. Today's episode is part one of a series on women, sex, and tech. We were super excited to sit down and talk with several new sex tech companies founded by women. Not only because we relate to them, but also because we believe it's important for women to be integrated into an industry that's historically been dominated by men. These women are thinking about sex in innovative ways and not only aim to empower women sexually, integrate sexuality into general wellness, but also make pleasure more accessible. In this episode, we talk to Gina and Faye, founders of Dipsy, an app that provides erotic audio stories to put you in the mood. Founded in 2018, these two women passionately conducted research, wrote stories, and built a team to develop their vision at helping women tap into their sexual power. So welcome, Gina and Faye. Thank you so much for being on Lovelink. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah, welcome. So you guys started a company called Dipsy. Tell us about it. What is Dipsy? Dipsy is the first audio platform for sexual wellness. And the app that we will be launching with very soon is for short, sexy audio stories designed to turn women on. And how did the two of you start the company? We have been friends for a long time, um, and we're part of a group of people that would occasionally bring to the table the experiences they'd have had with kind of fun or sexy content, and it always sparked the idea that there was so little of it. Um, they had watched or had read yeah, Outlander. Like some, yeah, romance novels, but it's always like maybe this scene or that scene, and you're kind of embarrassed to admit that you read it. Um, which is like the exact opposite of what you really want for that kind of content. Yeah, and so that had been a cycling conversation in our group of friends, you know, the late night topic of choice every so often about how someone would have this one poem or this one chapter that you'd tuck into your, your nightstand. And I just thought that was so interesting that all these women that were interested in talking about these things and were curious and were explorative weren't finding what they were looking for. And it was just in the back of my head for a long time. And then I was listening to Headspace one night and I had this, you know, mini revelation that guided audio had so much potential beyond building the practice of meditation. It had the power to really change how you felt. And I was already an audio consumer like so many of us are. You know, podcasts are such an amazing way to spend your commute or just to fill time with something that feels so valuable, but I wasn't feeling something from it. And Headspace was making me feel something and you know, I'm all about that. Like, I think the future of, you know, entertainment to me is sensory and is um, tell me I'm going to feel a certain thing and give me that feeling. And I just thought, wow, this, this whole thing is so untapped. This is so much bigger than meditation. And those ideas kind of clicked together. And so suddenly the late night conversations around Faye's kitchen table weren't like, why isn't there more amazing, sexy content for women? It was like, why isn't it an audio? And why hasn't anyone thought of this? And then it evolved into why don't we just do it? Because we can't just wait for someone else to. And um, yeah, I think one of the most interesting moments for us is we come from slightly different perspectives. Like I'm very like 
user-focused, what do women want, like what is the psychology of it, what are they thinking about, and phase like who are these people and how many of them are they <laughs> and are there and like who, who else like out there is like us. You guys make a good team. We make a good team. We're lucky in that way that we actually in practice make a good team. <laughs> There's a book called A Billion Wicked Thoughts um, that I read that was amazing that talked about the psychological abyss between the sexes in terms of what they desire based on search data, meaning like what people had typed into a search engine. And Faye read the that kind book. of content people are actually seeking and consuming. Right. And what men are seeking and consuming, women are seeking and consuming, especially in the space, is so drastically different. Um, but at the same time, there are these like huge like um, this huge evidence that these like romance novels being like one of the biggest like really successful for women like really voracious consumers really loyal consumers across decades of their life and no one trying to recreate that product experience in like a more updated way um, we say that as like short format like elevated feminist modern something that you can like have in your earbuds and sort of taking it from like a paperback which is still like a great product for many people into like a totally different generation of that kind of content yeah and so what is that different space between men and women and what they're looking for? And why do you think women are looking at romance novels yeah. more than men? So what this book found, to be fair, this isn't our own research, but what this book found and what other research has supported is that men, generally speaking, tend to be more um, directive in what they want, meaning that they are looking for a specific body part that they find sexy or hot. They're looking for a specific actor's... Um, you know, a specific actress's face, they're looking for um, graphic content. And, you know, all the studies have shown that uh, physiological arousal and psychological arousal is more tightly linked in that way for men. It's a little bit more um, distant for women in the sense that um, you might care more about the backstory of someone's romantic life than about what they look like. Um, you care about how trustworthy or kind or interesting someone is. Um, so story is really where that comes into play. Yeah. Story in like broader context. So context of the character and context of like where they are, what is the dynamic between these partners or multiple people and like why is this an interesting encounter to me? Um, it's almost like for men, this is like obviously not all men, not all women, but like some like generalities exist around like if you narrow the scope to just the body part, it can heighten arousal for men. And for women, it's almost like the opposite tension where you sort of have like you need like more context and more richness around that sexual contact or it's just not that interesting. Mm -hmm. So what makes a good erotic story for women? I think we talked a little bit about novelty recently together. I think novelty is a cue that is inspiring for people. So surprise people with a small twist. Did the character sit down at the wrong table and encounter someone that was actually more interesting at a restaurant? Um, those small shifts where you can imagine them happening in your life and you'd be delighted if they did happen. And that's the sweet spot that we try and hit, which is this approachable fantasy. It's something that the likelihood of happening to you is low. If it did, you would love it. <laughs> and it, you could you could imagine, you know, in your life, me, making eyes with someone on the subway and pursuing this day with them. That's a realistic idea. Um, and we get to let people live those fantasies for 15 minutes, um, or ideally for longer with serialized content. But it's definitely the case that, like, of the content we have, like, what stands out as favorites for people is, like, almost every story in the library is like somebody's favorite. And so there's definitely like things that we can, like novelty or like those twists, that connection, those contexts that are generalities, but also like what we're constantly learning is how like different people's interests are and how like different things can work for different people. Yep. 
And something that I noticed with your stories when I listened, and hopefully we can give our listeners a little clip of one of your stories, was that foreplay, which is oftentimes generally thought of as physical and touching each other and building up to sex, was very much about seduction. That so many of your stories had the theme around kind of this psychological conversation that was meant to be really like tintillating. Yeah. Foreplay is key. We try and extend it because it's fun. I think it's like so many other things, you know, the cranking up to the top of the roller coaster in some ways is as fun as going all the way down to the bottom. And, um, you know, the day before Christmas is as fun as Christmas itself. You know, I think foreplay is similar in that way. And there's so much to be done with dialogue in in the world of audio that is so fun and sexy. And um, it really heightens the idea that sex is about connection and fun and not just the act itself and also i think it's exciting to think about the stories not as like the whole beginning and end in itself but as foreplay to like another experience in your life whether that's with yourself or with a partner like the whole story in some ways can be foreplay because we're really interested in like setting the scene for like some other experience that you want to have for yourself what are the different contexts that women could use an app like dipsy you know solo with a partner um in what types of environments does it make sense to use Dipsy? Yeah. yeah, I think one of the things we were most excited about having the app in people's hands and having stories in people's ears was starting to understand whether our intuition about how women would listen was actually matching with what was really happening. And what we found is that there is an entertainment factor here too, in the sense that it's nice to escape and unwind on a commute. A commute is still a paradigm where people are used to plugging in their headphones. And this is actually like a nice way to unwind from the day. And it's helped us to identify the idea as Dipsy being a nice transition idea. So it helps me to switch off my in control. I'm the boss mode and helps me find that softer side of myself when I'm coming home from work. Um, It helps me to slow my mind down when I'm getting ready for bed and I'm unwinding. It helps me gear up for something like a date or going out to a party when you're like not really feeling yourself and not having the best, you know, just not like feeling that and you want to, um, or with a partner. I think that's really exciting to think about foreplay being more dynamic and conversational and it opens up new ideas about what you could do yourselves. And then lastly, of course, like it is designed to make you feel aroused. It's designed to turn you on. So it helps you tap fantasy in a way that makes masturbation a lot more fun. Yeah, I feel like there are a lot of times when it would be nice to feel more sexy um, and right using an app like this. Totally. Yeah. And that can be an end in itself, just like feeling sexy um, itself is like a really like pleasurable, enjoyable experience that can be like really hard to tap into yeah. um, for women and men. We had a woman, so many of the anecdotes we get from people are so fun. And this woman said... Um, she had a friend say, mama, before a date, you need to put on lingerie and you need to meditate and you need to tap your feminine energy. And that is going to make you love the dates that you go on so much more and have such a better time. And she was like, that's what I feel like Dipsy's doing. It's a different way to do that. And not that many women I would imagine are putting on lingerie and meditating before a date, but Dipsy is a pretty low entry way to get a feeling like that, um, which is exciting. And I think, um, the feeling even of walking down the street and having a private experience that is sexy is a cool dynamic, just the same way listening to an amazing song is when you're you know, walking down the street. That also sounds like there's something about being sexy that can be in the context of a relationship, but also with yourself. And there's something so valuable about feeling sexual just in your own skin and not in relation to someone else. 100%. Sure. 
when we talk about why we do this, why we care, we think that this has such an important implication for greater empowerment. The idea that accessing that source in yourself that makes you feel confident and good in your body and alive, that's what we're aiming for. That's what we want to make women feel. And I mean, what a powerful thing if you can make someone feel sexy. That's an amazing way to be. Yeah, and I've heard the flip side. People talk about this kind of deadening that happens when they don't feel sexy, and that really puts a kind of dampening on it. And this really sounds like it's meant to sort of elicit and inspire some of that feeling that can really be easy to dwindle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the deadening is something that can also happen when you are kind of out of the sexual practice or like out of the practice of sexy or however you want to, you know, frame that. Um... The idea that you know you're you're overworked and every day you're overworked and it's been like that for three months and this is just my life now. Um, it's like working out. You don't work out for a while and you think, how am I ever going to get back to the yoga class? And then when you do, you feel really really good and then you go back more and it feels better. Are there any surprises you've had in creating this app or any major learnings you've had that have changed the way that you've approached the app? <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot. I'm sure it's been a process. <laughs> a whispered a lot, definitely. Yeah. Uh, the diversity of what women are into is beautiful and inspiring and will be a challenge for us to make as many women happy as possible because we all have unique profiles as to what excites us and what inspires us. And um, I think that that has been a major learning for us that there isn't some secret algorithm to making the perfect sexy content for everyone. It's um, it's very personal, and what we can do is create really safe, immersive, happy contexts is really what we can do and allow women to fill in the space with their imaginations. That's probably the best that we can do, and that's a learning process. Yeah. I think also it's been really like inspiring to me to hear people actually using this in partnered contexts, like something that we talked about in the beginning like how cool would it be and people like actually like making this a part of like their practice with somebody else and how open people are to that I think it's been like very interesting and inspiring and people come in and do it who are like maybe it's like their boyfriends who like introduce it and it still like, can be really successful um, sort of like seeing like the different ways which people actually fit this into their life beyond just like arousal for themselves how are people using the app as a couple I mean I think it's been a mix of things but like sometimes like both listen before listen together listen out and you're like your phone on your pillow like people listen out loud um so i don't know i think it'll change a lot and as like our as we launch and get more users i'm sure it'll be like even more of that people using it in ways that even we are not really even perceiving of right now do you have any directions that you want to take the app in that has not been developed yet if you're allowed to share yes Yes. (laughs) one really obvious one is consistent characters, serialized stories, feeling like every episode in itself gets you to a place where you feel sexy and excited, but then there's more. The cliffhanger doesn't end, but it continues. Expanding that Dipsy universe in like space and time and having those people like come back and have you like know them. Yeah, we want a board on the wall that maps a character to a city and then she travels and meets another character. She moves to Chicago, she has a retreat. That would be amazing. (laughs) And interweaving of stories. Oh, very cool, very cool. I think the other really big direction we have started is sort of non-narrative content as well so more like meditative educational content and uh, like how to's that kind of thing do you find that so um you know there's been some research showing that 
men and women have different ways of getting turned on. And I'm curious about audio content. Do you know if more women get turned on by audio content than men or in equal amounts? You know, I'm curious if, if you know any of the research on that or I guess it, or just even anecdotally, if men, if you've heard anything from men using the app. What we hear more from men is not, wow, audio inherently is such an amazing medium for me, but wow, how powerful is it that it's really amazing for my female partner. And in a partnered context, I think that's very exciting because a common theme that we hear anecdotally, and I'm sure as therapists you hear often, is that there are differences in on-ramps. Um, men are, have maybe an easier time getting going faster, and then a, a woman feels, you know, in the nature of sex is someone says, I would like to have sex, or cues or initiates, and the other person has to meet them where they are, and that meeting you where you are can be hard, and so it's really exciting for both partners if you find something that makes that level setting a lot easier. And so the, the most common feedback that we hear from men is either, wow, my girlfriend, wife, partner is going to love this, or they did, and it was amazing, and thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially that we know that oftentimes in long-term relationships, it's the women's desire that declines much faster than the men's. And so oftentimes, at least a frequent complaint that I hear from couples is the man is constantly pursuing sex and has a hard time arousing his partner. And oftentimes it's because they've missed the mark. And so I can imagine it's really nice for both partners when there's something that can really elicit that. And what a tough dynamic to feel that one person's always asking and the other person is denying. That's not a fun dynamic for either party. And I don't know if people are using Dipsy in this way, but what an aspirational use case to think that it allows you to make the choice after 15 minutes of context building to decide whether you're both there and to move towards it or to just have had 15 relaxing minutes and then maybe make the choice in a more contextual way that like we're not going to pursue that. Um, that feels like a smoother path than like the the outright yes or no when people aren't ready or aren't aren't fully there yet. Right. It's not that sexy to ask directly. No, it's not time. sexy. Yeah. It's not sexy to say no either. It feels bad to say no to feel like I don't want to. Like on either side, it's like a really exhausting dynamic. Yeah. Guilt and shame yeah. and yeah, yeah. Right. frustration. Sexy. Especially in a partnership where there is so much like love and positivity and like you're there for a reason, that to have like that part not work is always hard. Sex becomes more complicated with two people, of course. <laughs> you know, like there's another person there with different needs, different timelines, different day. Mm -hmm. And especially what you alluded to, which is this idea of responsive and uh, spontaneous desire that men get going, typically, not all men, but typically get going faster than women and can have this spontaneous desire and women really need to get in the mood yeah. um, in order to to have sex and feel pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. I think women intuitively understand the idea that when things are just right, they have a desire to be more sexually engaging. There's less of a understood path of how to make it just right. And then we have some kind of basic go-tos like lighting candles or like mood lighting, but that isn't always enough. And so like creating some sort of more easy go-tos for this tends to set me up just right could be really transformative for a lot of partners. How do you guys come up with the stories? Well, the beginning <laughs> the beginning was different because we had to generate our own content. 
And now we're lucky to work with a pretty diverse network of writers who sometimes we have ideas for and we pitch those ideas and see if they connect with the writer. And sometimes writers just come to us and offer ideas up. We help shape them sometimes based on our understandings of what work or don't work. For example, you know, two characters are like having amazing sex in the snow. We're like, that's not a context that that women feel is believable. You're like immediately like a concern for the character's actual like feelings like you, that doesn't work even though if it sounds sexy in, in its idea form so we help guide um but it's exciting for us to keep building that network of writers because we have more people's lived experiences to tap because the creativity well runs dry after a while because you're writing off of things that excite you or that you've experienced or that you've read about and the more people the more ideas and it's more authentic to us that someone who has lived a trans experience can write about their first uh, sexual experience post-transition and someone pretending that, you know, that situation is something that they can fully understand and have embodied and experienced. Um, and that opens up a whole new possibility as we make a larger library. What's one of your favorite storylines? Ooh, good question. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to say. I'm, like, curious to know what your favorite story is. <laughs> I know what your favorite story is. I know. Recently, recently became a new hot favorite for me. So, so you go first. Okay. Uh, Queen of Swords is probably my favorite right now. And why is it your favorite? I feel like it is... First of all, there's, like, this whole universe in that there's, like, this tarot, like, mystic character um, who is also, like, calling into the conversation. So it feels like you're on the phone call. So I feel like it's super immersive in that way. And also it's drawing on this like whole world of like the tarot cards, what's going to happen. And I'm like, keep being pulled along. Like what's the next flip going to be? So I feel like it's like amazing. And that was a totally like amazing writer worked with externally. And then we also like worked our editor in house changed a lot as well. Mm-hmm. So it was really a collaborative effort, not by me. I was just a really happy listener, <laughs> um, but I was more involved in the content in the beginning, which can kind of dull you to like really actually enjoying it. And so now I get to be like a dipsy user, which is amazing. I'm jealous of that. I'm still very close <laughs> to the content. So I have to try and assess it as a listener and like get out of my maker brain. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can do that occasionally because the story is just so good. And I found myself listening to stories in like in my kitchen, making dinner and being like, Oh my God, this is good. And being like, so good. yeah, we made this. <laughs> um, two of my favorites. I'm cheating. I have two. So one is called forage and it has a psychedelic aspect. And so the sound warps and moves and, and trips and it's really cool. Mm-hmm. And another story that I really love because it has such defined sound environments that I think are really, um, compelling and easy to put yourself in is um, up the coast. I was going to say, I thought you were going to do up the coast. So it starts close, in an airport. Close. It starts in an airport, so you hear the sounds of the person on the speaker, and you you just know that place. You know that feeling. Not that that's a sexy context, but you're there, and then you move with the characters past that, and you're on a road trip, and you're at the beach, and you you know the sound and the feeling of having your toes in the sand, and it's just super immersive. And then the characters dip underwater, and you hear it like. Lug, and it's just, it's wild. It's really cool. Should we go all the way in? Yes. Ah! <sighs> I rub the salt water out of my eyes and watch her emerge with her hair slicked back. I cut my hands around her ass and pull her close to me again. She kisses my ear and it sounds wet, like suction. <laughs> Do you have a favorite story yet? It's okay if you don't. I don't remember the name, but I do know that it was uh, two couples. They're both getting ready to go out, and 
I think two of them are coworkers and the other two are their partners who don't know each other very well and they meet at a restaurant and they kind of segue off into the different kind of respective relationships. And so the two coworkers talk to each other and then the two new strangers who are the partners of the coworkers talk to each other and there's just like sparks flying between them. Both of them are feeling a little dissatisfied with their partner and that feeling of sexual tension, taboo, naughtiness. She goes to the bathroom and they like have eyes that linger towards each other. So it's this whole kind of build up. Um, yeah, and it was very palpable. Hearing you talk about it is so fun. <laughs> that was back into it. <laughs> that one will be made back when I was more involved with the content. So I heard that one like probably 40 times and it's definitely not one of my favorites. You're like, not sexy anymore. <laughs> but that I think is a really good... Um, taking us back to the idea of what are these themes that really connect with people and people are really drawn to. And it's so interesting. Taboo is such a fine line to walk because it's very exciting. It allows you to play out things that you as a moral person might not pursue in your life. You get to explore the like edge of deviance, but not push it to the part to, to the point where you don't respect the character or you don't respect the choice. And that's a really interesting line that we walk where we want to create characters that people you know, broadly, if maybe not in, in total, can respect and can identify with um, making choices that maybe the listener wouldn't themselves. Right. Well, I've, yeah, I've talked to a lot of patients, female patients, about having rape fantasies. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, obviously they don't want to get raped, but there's something about being dominated and uh, it is a taboo and it may be a little bit painful. Um, but then they don't actually want it. So I imagine it is, it's very tricky to walk that line, right? Of wanting to give them something that'll be exciting and, and kind of go to the edge of what may be tolerable, um, but not crossing the line. And it goes to a question of what is ethical content too, and what is content that represents a sexuality that we think is positive. And I think people really struggle with rape fantasies because they are common and they are an experience women have, but then actually portraying that in something like audio could be very different and traumatizing, traumatizing and triggering. And, um, we have to be really mindful of never shaming anyone for the fantasies that they have, but maybe keeping our content in a certain area that doesn't transgress past a certain boundary. And this is how Dipsy feels like it really varies from the porn industry that isn't so conscious about that line, that really tries to fulfill these fantasies, but without the kind of thought about what's ethical, what's not, how to make the person still feel comfortable. Because I think particularly a lot of women watch certain porn and feel really uncomfortable because they see this person being exploited or abused and like that's that doesn't sit well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how perceptive women are to something like safe sex, how it's both something that they think is good and right, but that they actually like woven into the story well. So Mm -hmm. we're like, what's a thoughtful moment to bring a condom into a scenario between people who haven't had sex before? Or um, this, this interaction is between two partners who seem like they're on equal terms pursuing the same sexual experience. And maybe verbal consent in that in that case isn't as required as a moment where one side is pursuing more and absolutely you need to say is this okay can i keep going do you like this and we're figuring that out as we go yeah and we're constantly even in our own stories like changing our minds about it and like learning like would it be weird to go to his apartment like is that safe for her um and sort of like making sure that there's no moment where the listener's like "Ooh, i don't want to do that 
And because that's like the opposite of sexy and the opposite of the kind of experience we want people to have. Mm, exactly. And yet there's so many gray zones. Yeah. So I imagine. Right. Because you want to get a little bit of novelty in that taboo as well. And what one person might be turned off, like you said, like what one what might turn one listener off is going to turn on another listener. Yes. And it's like so cheating is like one of the biggest things that we struggle with there. Yeah. And so the yeah. best we can do is give someone that information up front so they can make the decision themselves. Transparency is a huge part of this experience. How can we expectation set and let you know what's going to happen to the degree enough that you can decide, you know what, that's not for me and not be surprised by something. That would be a bad, a bad experience. Sort of like a meta consent. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Meta yeah. consent. <laughs> can rename our, our brand meta consent. <laughs> <laughs> but really it's like, beyond just like making sure you don't get people to stuff they don't like is getting to the stuff that they really like like how can we make our experience one where you quickly find the content that really resonates with you um, and making sure people don't find the stuff that like makes them uncomfortable is just like the most negative version of that that goal so when's the official release date it's december 5th it's december 5th december 5th and how can people download the app you can okay. go to the App Store. You It'll find, be in the App Store. You can find <laughs> where the apps are. Well, let's start over. You can find Dipsy in the App Store. <laughs> don't use that. You can find Dipsy in the App Store. No, don't use that. That was sure. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so really, I want to go download it right away. I feel like we should capture all of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how much is the app to purchase? Free. It's free. Great. Well, the app is free. The app is free to explore, listen to three stories, and then you can decide whether you want a monthly or an annual subscription to unlock the full. Great. Excited. Well, you have two uh, subscribers here. Yay! (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and thanks for listening. We also want to thank Point and Passing for their original music and website design. Be sure to subscribe to Lovelink on iTunes and leave us a review. And check out our upcoming workshops for singles and couples on lovelink.co. See you next time. Mm-hmm.